0: okay welcome to another episode of christeries i'm chris de stefano aka chris de stefano and this is christeries i keep saying christeries today we're gonna talk about my favorite space mission of all time three babes who left to go to the moon Then there was some problems and they called Houston and they said, we got a problem. I'm talking about Apollo 13, shout out Tom Hanks. Gary Sinise, he's dead. (laughs) All right, let me set the scene, the space race we got the U.S. versus the Russians. We're always fighting those Russians, okay? There was a group of Russians who were going to buy my house, and then that fell through. After World War II, the United States and the Soviet Union, they both realized how important it was to research rockets. They wanted to go to space. They were like, listen, we're going to kill each other on land and on earth so much but we also have to have ways to kill each other in outer space so we have to just get to outer space and there was what's known as the space race which is not another race of people it's just a race to get to space okay so no but this is not anti the race of space people on october 4th 1957 the russians placed the first successful satellite into orbit it was called sputnik Okay, everybody learned about Sputnik One, a little looked like a little p- a potato. It was like a potato. I think Sputnik One means potato. So something every time I hear the word Sputnik, I think of potatoes, and I think that's I think it's because that the, it's the Russian word for potato is Sputnik, and I may be wrong. Look at you, you little Sputnik. Got all these Sputniks moving into my damn neighborhood. <laughs> the Russians were ahead of us initially in the space race, but. Not for long. The Americans, we then launched our successful satellite four months later, it was called the Explorer 1, okay? So they had Sputnik, the potato, and we had Explorer 1. The first man in orbit, Soviets got that. On 1961, Yuri Gagarin was the first man to orbit the Earth in the spacecraft Vostok 1. So they did make it to space first, Okay. But we made it to the moon first, and we have proof of that, and I could show you the studio where they filmed the landing. Three weeks later, after Yuri Guglin gets to to the first man to orbit space, April 12th, 1961, three weeks later, the U.S. launched the Freedom 7, not Building 7, the Freedom 7, and astronaut Alan Shepard became the first American in space. Shout out, Alan Shepard, you American hero. So in 1961... Before he was murdered, most likely by the U.S. government, President John Kennedy, a.k.a. JFK, went to Congress and announced that he wanted to be the first person to put a man on the moon. That's what he said. We got to get to be the first. They beat us into space, the orbit. We got to be number one to get on the moon. And it felt like the country and the Western world, we needed to do this. So they launched what was known as the Apollo moon program. Okay. This is the. This is getting people to the moon, the Apollo moon program. It's JFK's famous line. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. And so am I. Shout out JFK. So the Apollo moon program launched. We have Apollo 11. This was a spacecraft that was launched into space July 16th, 1969. (laughs) The crew included astronauts Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins. The trip to the moon took three days. Three days. That's how long it takes me sitting in traffic from Staten Island. July 20th, 1969, the Eagle landed on the moon. Okay, so they left July 16th, 1969. July 20th, 1969, Eagle landed on the moon. So that's three days trip. That's a long time to be in outer space. No cell phone service. So it's going to be rough unless you have Mint Mobile they will be able to get service for you because Mint Mobile is an amazing uh, telephone provider that I'm gonna talk to you about at the end of this episode. With his first step on the moon, Neil Armstrong said, very famous, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. That's what he said. And now that they've updated that to say that's one small step for man, woman, they, One giant leap for man, woman, they kind. On November 14th, 1969, Apollo 12 comes out. Six people on the crew. They're the second ones to land on the moon. And nobody knows their names because if you're not first, you're last. That's what Ricky Bobby said. So the United States, we had planned 10 missions to the moon. But the first one was so successful, we got there. We like pretty much canceled most of them. Because like, listen, we already beat Russia. What's the difference? Who cares? All right, so now we get to Apollo 13, the one that this episode's about. You've seen the movie. You know about it. It's the most famous one because it didn't get to the moon, and we almost lost these damn astronauts. So Apollo 13 was the seventh crewed mission in the Apollo space program, and the third one meant to land on the moon. So two others. We were two for two, usually third time's a charm, but not when you're in space. Just set the stage, the, the, the three parts of Apollo 13, they were named after famous historical figures. You know me. This is Chris Rees. I love history. We had the command module was named Odyssey after the Greek epic poem. The lunar module was named Aquarius after the astrological sign and the barbershop on 3rd Avenue and 91st Street in Bay Ridge. And the service module was named Casper after the cartoon character. They named, look at that. They named the service module after a movie that Christina Ricci was in. The logo, which is might be my next tattoo, the Apollo 13 mission insignia depicts the Greek god of the sun, Apollo, with three horses pulling his chariot across the face of the moon and the earth seen in the distance. This was to symbolize the Apollo flights bringing the light of knowledge to all of the people, okay? The mission motto, Ex Luna Scientia, from the moon knowledge appears, okay? So very heavily, very heavy Greek influence here. On, um, on Apollo 13, and um, and as you know, you know, uh, when you hire Greeks to do something, they're almost going to get the job complete, but they're not going to get it fully complete because they're busy smoking cigarettes. Apollo's 13 mission, Jim Lovell, what a sick haircut, mission commander, 42 years old at the time of the space flight, it was his fourth and last ever time trying this. Fred Hayes, the lunar module pilot, he was 35 years old, first time space flight, we got a first timer. Jack Swigert, command module, uh, he was the pilot. He got the job just a few days before the mission, first time ever in space. This guy just got, it's like, which by the way, for me, anytime like you have to make a big decision, just do it. Like my daughter, we were walking in the mall the other day, just shopping, getting stuff like we had to get back to school supplies. And we we walked past Claire's and she just got her ears pierced. Did that because it was like, boom, one, two, three. We were like, go get your ears pierced. She was like, I don't want to do it. And then we pressured her into doing it and she did it. And now she looks cute, but she might have it a little, a little infectious in one of her ears. No, I'm kidding. She wanted to do it, and she looks great. After Jack Swigger, we had Ken Mattingly, no relation to Don Mattingly, was replaced by Swigger because he was grounded after exposure to rubella. German measles got this guy. They just He got exposed to it, so he couldn't go because the kid may have gotten German measles. And by the way, no news network at all showed Apollo 13's live takeoff because sending people to the moon had been done a few times before. So it's really like not that exciting. So like nobody kind of even knew this was happening. They were going to find out about it. It was going to be a humongous story, but it wasn't that big of a deal when they first went off into space. And the Beatles had broken up the day before that. So that was front page news. It was all about the Beatles. So 55 hours into space, they took off. Nobody cares. Everyone's just Caring about the Beatles. This guy, you know, one guy has measles. Nobody really gives a shit at all. They're up in space. Their wives are back cheating on them. It's nobody cares. It's business as usual. 55 hours in space, mission control. They asked Jack Swigger to stir the hydrogen and oxygen tanks in the service module. Just stir them up. Just get your little coffee started, Just stir them up. This created a spark, not of love and, and uh, an actual spark. This created an actual, for real spark. And the last thing you want in space is fire. A few weeks prior, what happened was the insulation that had covered the wires inside the oxygen tank, that had melted off during a dress rehearsal. It's like, what are you people doing? This caused a fire and ignited highly concentrated oxygen. Now we have the iconic lines that Tom Hanks, who played Jim Lovell, we have the iconic line, Houston, we have a problem that we've all heard before, what happened was is Hayes says, okay, Houston, Lovell says, I believe we've had a problem here. Mission Control, this is Houston. Say again, please. Lovell says, Houston, we've had a problem. We've had a main B bus undervolt. See, he said, we've had a problem. But in the movie, it says, Houston, we have a problem. But the actual transcript is we've had a problem because he's speaking in past tense because astronauts aren't as smart as you think they are. I don't know why he said we've had a problem or not we have a problem. And I don't know why the movie industry changed it. But, you know, if there's one group of people I trust, it's Hollywood. So I'm going to go with Houston, we have a problem is the right way because Hollywood has never led us astray and they're good, good people. As I told you during the episode, we're going to talk about Mint Mobile. They're the only ones that get cell phone service in space. Mint Mobile, from the gas pump to the grocery store, your utility bills and favorite streaming services. Inflation is everywhere, baby. Make it. Stop. But there's one company that's giving you a much-needed break, and it's Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile is the first company to sell premium wireless service online only. Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton. Phone plans start at just $15 a month. And people think, well, what is the catch here? They don't have brick-and-mortar retail places. Everything is done online, so they save money not having to build up Different phone stores, and they give the money back to the customer. For people looking for an extra savings this year, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. And it's awesome. You use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Switch to switch to Mint Mobile. Get premium wireless service, 15 bucks a month. Right now, get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free. Go to mintmobile.com slash That's mintmobile.com slash Cut your wireless bill to 15 buckaroos a month at mintmobile.com slash What's up, everybody? I want to talk to you about Factor. I want you guys to eat right, and Factor is the only way you can do it. With the busy fall season already in swing, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with chef prepared dietitian dietician-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your dough. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Too busy running around during the day to think about lunch? Keep your energy up with lunch to go. Effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers. I'm a topper. That are ready to eat when you're on the go. No microwave required. It doesn't matter. I'm going to put a little factor meal on this guy, Don DePetta. Look at you. This September, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash christeries50 and use code christeries50 to get 50% off. That's code christeries, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-R-I-E-S-5-0 at factormeals.com slash christeries50 to get 50% off. Go Factor! This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex. Guys, you remember the days when you were always ready to go? You can increase your performance, get the extra confidence in bed? Well, listen up. BlueChew.com is going to save your life. Because Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You take them anytime, day or night. Plan ahead. Be ready when the opportunity arises. Blue Chew tablets are made right here in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package, okay? You are going to be rock hard for summer, winter, and fall. That's what it's about. I want to see pics. Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it, baby. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. You can try Blue Chew for free, okay? For free. All you have to do is use the promo code Christories C-H-R-I-S-T-O-R-I-E-S, at checkout. All you got to do is pay the $5 shipping. Literally, you can get me a boner for $5. bucks. i will give you a $5 boner. Boom. BlueChew.com, promo code Christories. Receive your first month free. That's all you got to do. Put in that promo code CHRISTRIES, bluechew.com, promo code CHRISTRIES, for free, $5 shipping. That's all you got to pay for your first month. It's beautiful. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. We thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Actually, Apollo 13 crew, they had thought they'd been hit by a meteor. That's literally what they thought. We got hit by a meteor, which is funny because they're astronauts, some of the most intelligent people in the world. And it's like, that's what I would think. I'd be like, we got hit by a, by a shooting star. <laughs> but they didn't realize that it was there. It was because of the dress rehearsal. That's why they don't do dress rehearsals. That's why you, dress rehearsals are not just be in the moment and do it. Okay? Do you like Lizzo. No dress rehearsals. She's just like, instead of doing a dress rehearsal, I'm just going to make you eat bananas out of each other's. <laughs> now, Apollo 13 thought they got hit by a meteor, a shooting star. But Mission Control thought it was instrumental because so many things were going wrong at once. So they're like, there must be some kind of problem. There must be some kind of issue. I mean, did somebody spill coffee on the control panel? What are you guys doing up there? We're, we told you to eat your food out of toothpaste tubes. Okay, so after taking a look outside, what they did, they called Sean, the contractor, and after he took a look around outside they saw that something was venting out into space. Okay, you don't want to see smoke and stuff going out into outer space. They learned that they were losing oxygen that wasn't necessarily used for breathing, but used for water and power. So they were still going to be able to breathe, but they were losing oxygen and they needed for water and power. They had lost one whole tank. The second one was losing oxygen quickly, so things are getting dicey. Now, Houston, they ordered to hold the flow by shutting off the recant rectant, the rectal feed valve, from the two fuel cells that had to be shut off okay so this is technical mumbo jumbo they just had to shut off some valves and that was devastating to the astronauts because now they know well now I guess we're not going to the moon they got to just try to get back home what would you do would you still want to just try to make it to the moon knowing you're never going to go back home or would you try to get back home so and here's Chrissy Conspiracy's corner all of a sudden because the you know Americans are crushing we're getting to the moon we're really just sticking it to the russians and all of a sudden in the third mission there's a uh, they said that there was a fire or something happened in a dress rehearsal when they went when the ship finally got back when the finally landed in the water back on u.s property and we were able to look the u.s government was able to look and see what happened they found little pieces of a potato inside the control panel aka sputnik so we know that it was the russians trying to sabotage us well it didn't work Okay, it didn't work And we're still beating you That's why we're sending a trillion dollars to people in Ukraine Okay That's why we're sending a trillion dollars to the people in Ukraine And the homeless crisis gets bigger here Because that's what, it's all about beating the Russians If you're a migrant, you can stay in our studio <laughs> Alright, so now this is a mission to get home I've been here before I gotta, I gotta, I'm on a mission to get home I took too many edibles, I drank too much wine I gotta get home They moved themselves into the lunar module, the LEM, that served as their lifeboat, okay? So so they had only a few minutes left with oxygen, and they had to transfer data from their command modules, computers, to the LEM computers, okay? They had to transfer, Oh, it's just a quick transfer thing. They had to correct their course, and they continued to the moon using the moon's gravity to pull them into orbit, with a brief engine burn from the lunar module, it would slingshot them back to Earth. I mean, this is crazy. This is a crazy, crazy thing they have to do, but they literally have no other options. They're going to slingshot around and then go use, use whatever the lunar modules, the LEM's uh, supply of power and oxygen. They weren't sure exactly how much they had in there, but they were like, "Let's." this is our literally our only chance. We'll see if we can get home. It was built for two people, not three, so that means somebody had to sit on somebody's lap. and And then at... The moon, they were asked to, contr- to close when they did the slingshot thing, they had to close down all their critical systems to conserve power, one being heat, and it's cold as fuck in the moon. You don't realize how cold it is. It's a cold world. And it was an uncomfortable ride home because it was too cold to sleep, and their food and water supplies froze, and then somebody was sitting on their lap. So it was rough, rough, rough. And I think one of the astronauts was really sick, at least in the movie he was. Okay, so now we got another issue, Okay. Carbon dioxide was building up in the spacecraft, okay? that's You don't want that. They needed lithium hydroxide canisters to filter carbon dioxide, but they had them, but they had square pegs and not round ones. So how do you fit a square peg into a round hole? You can't filter them, okay? Again, I know this is technical mumbo-jumbo stuff, but you need to know about it if you're going to learn about the history of Apollo 13. They had to basically literally figure out a square peg in a round hole what they did was they had mission control they could still communicate with them and they were trying to they tried to tell them explain to them how to filter it with the items they had on board there's a great scene in the movie where they're figuring all this out for them the next issue Houston told them they needed a new course correction because the angle they were headed for was too shallow and they were going to skim off earth's atmosphere and bounce off into space oh my god i literally if i was on the i would be de- i would be fully dead i would have opened up the the door and just be like just let me die in space just let me die in space like they do in guardians of the galaxy i'll freeze to death i can't deal with this they couldn't power their computer so they literally were flying blind they were flying like they were flying like jasmine's driving blind relying on their own visual reference of the earth they could see the earth and it's hard to see earth because i mean think about you're in the middle of space right you think it's easy but how are you going to see something so flat from so far away it's very difficult they waited for the right moment to fire the LEM engines, and they succeeded on entering in the right course. So they literally had to time this stuff perfectly, which they did. Now, they're re-entering Earth. The command module had never powered down before in flight. So they there's all these things that are happening. It's like nuts. Men were freezing, sleep-deprived, dehydrated. Everything was covered with droplets of water, condensation. They didn't know if they'd be able to turn the engine on again. They thought maybe it would short-circuit. After opening the engine, they prepare for re-entry, but feared the intense heat of the re-entry would kill them. So they were cold, then they're gonna be too hot. It's like literally, it's insane. And by the way, when you're coming down, I I look this up. When you're re-entering, like these astronauts, the way they re-entered, like you know, like when you're on a roller coaster and you like have that drop, that's what they felt for like five minutes. They just felt that, just literally like shooting back to outdoors like think about that that feeling that you have when you're like oh, i'm gonna die they felt that for like literally five minutes just fully shooting like the tallest roller coaster ride of all time from outer space into the ocean. so what's gonna happen so they're gonna splash down baby they made it there was a few tense moments they lost communication they didn't know what was gonna happen they made it april 17th 1970 142 hours after the launch they landed splashdown in the Pacific Ocean. Okay, this would be called a successful failure, which is what this show is. After two months of a report, they concluded what the problem was that all indications are that electrically initiated fire in oxygen tank number two, the shit tank service module was the cause of the accident. Okay, somebody dropped a number two in tank number two and That's what caused all these issues. It supposedly wasn't Russians, but I still believe it was. It was what Houston thought it was, some type of electrical issue. The astronauts felt that the accident was not the result of chance malfunction in a statistical sense, but rather resulted from an unusual combination of mistakes coupled with a somewhat deficient and unforgiving design. So it was one of those things, what could go wrong went wrong. Murphy's law, a lot of things happened, but ultimately because we're Americans and we never die. We were able to still get our astronauts back and land them in the water safely. And they landed and that and if they would have landed today, um, they would have landed probably right in the middle of a protest about how much people hate America. It's just what it is. In closing, sometimes getting a virus can save your life. I mean, the guy had the German measles. He, you know, he almost died up there, but he wasn't. He was down below just dealing with his measles. Practice doesn't always make perfect. Shout out NASA for demonstrating crisis management, innovation, problem-solving capabilities. We love teamwork. Good for you, you little smart little motherfuckers. And now this prompted changes in spacecraft design and procedures to enhance safety and an elevated public interest and appreciation for space exploration efforts. So thank you so much. I think Apollo 13 overall was a good thing. It taught us that we can survive. And it made people interested in space. It, we, by the way, I don't think we've been to the moon. Since then, I don't even think we try anymore. We don't try. We're literally, life's, it's not about that anymore. Now it's about aliens, which by the way, Chris, a conspiracy here, I think that Apollo 13 was either derailed by Russians, they found Sputnik potato heads, or aliens. It could have been aliens not wanting us to know about what's really going on on the moon, okay? I believe Elon Musk is an alien. That's what I believe. I believe that he knows a lot more than we think he knows and because he's alien blood. And I think that a lot of us probably are aliens and we don't know it. Or maybe some of us do know it, but you've been sworn to secrecy. I don't know. But I do know that Apollo 13 was a great movie. Tom Hanks is the, is the greatest actor of all time. And I, I literally, I remember watching Apollo 13 on VHS. I had two VHS tapes at home under my uh, nightstand and I had one was the Apollo 13 VHS and then the other one was known as the Spanish porn which was a Spanish porno tape that on VHS that was passed around from our friends and I'll never forget the VHS was blue most VHS tapes were black this one was blue and everybody would get a week with it with the Spanish it was like you know Colombian women with big bushes from the 80s that we would all watch as with teenagers and then I was going to give it back the next day to one of my friends, whoever was next on the list to have the Spanish porn, and my mom found it and played it, um, and I came home from school that day, and she had smashed it into a million pieces with a hammer, and there was a big post-it note that said, get this filth out of my house. So I, I lost the Spanish porn, and then I just, for the rest of my teenage years, I had to masturbate to Apollo 13. <laughs> Remember, yesterday was history. Hey, thanks for watching chris if you like this share it with a friend leave a comment below subscribe to this channel give it a like that all helps us so much we appreciate it remember yesterday was history